Welcome to an encore presentation of Compassion Radio 360. Good morning, honey. It's time for Compassion Radio's 360 program. Yeah, it's the way we end the week, looking at the world around us again, hopefully finding some good news out there. I think we found one today that's going to be a lot of encouragement and a big challenge, too. I really loved this story when I first read it because it reminded me of the just the, the goodness that is in the world. And it's often overshadowed by the hurt and the pain and the evil that is so prevalent as well. So... When I read this story and saw the beautiful way that this group of people rose up and helped their neighbors, it was so encouraging to me and motivating. It's a good news story, especially for us, because it was the church yes. that stepped up to do this. Yes. It has to do with debts. And I can't think of anything happening in the world today that seems to be more of an existential threat to individuals or families than debt. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's one of the things that we are, as a nation, fretting over right now. What do we do about the national debt? The very concept is putting pressure on the emotional life of many people saying, what is the world coming to? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, what the world's coming to in the Moravian Church in North Carolina is something beautiful. So let's talk about the article you read. This article is from The Blaze, which is an online newspaper that talks about this church in North Carolina that bought medical debt. Mm. They raised money enough to purchase medical debt. Now, as most of us know, medical debt is highly inflated. Mm. In our country, especially. So when you see this is the amount people owe... It's not typically that amount. It's usually a little bit less than that. Nonetheless, it still can overwhelm you. I remember when you were in the hospital and you went through rehab after your stroke, I started to see what the bills were looking like from the hospital. And yes, we had really good insurance and I'm so grateful for that. It was a wise thing to have. Yeah, but it didn't cover everything. And I wasn't sure how we were going to cover that, knowing that you were not going to be able to work for a while. And I wasn't going to be able to work either because children at home taking care of you and all of the things that went along with that. And there were a group of people in our church that came together and paid off our medical debt. And the people that advocated for us too, even within the hospital. Yeah. So that by the time the final bill reached us, it was considerably less than we expected by an order of two or three magnitudes that our portion of the bill should have been somewhere near Mm $200,000. When it actually showed up at the end of these negotiations with the hospitals, it was down to $2,000. And then that was cleaned up by our friends. And we got to focus on the healing part. And it took, you know, obviously a huge weight off our backs. Mm -hmm. And we had just started in full time with this ministry when this all happened. So we know what it's like to see God answer direct prayers about meeting a need like this. Mm -hmm. And I pray the same way and encourage people to be brave about facing these kind of debts or the threat of debt or bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. Because I know God is at work here and that God's people, when they get together, can do amazing things. So this particular church, the Lord appears to have put it on their hearts to pay attention to this. They learned that this was one of the big things threatening people in their neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So they took it on, saying, we've got to do something because we've got the biggest God in the universe. In fact, we've got the only God. Why don't we appeal to him to find a way to do this? So a few years ago, the pastor of this church began to see people in his congregation 
struggling with some medical debt. Not just his congregation, but in their area. Did a little research himself and found ways that they could help these families. So they partnered with another organization who buys medical debt from hospitals, then in turn tries to collect on those. Mm -hmm. What this church did was put this out there and say to their congregation, we want to alleviate the stress that people are under because of medical debt. So we're going to raise money to buy medical debt from the collection agency. Mm -hmm. It's pennies on the dollar, usually. That's the big thing that they learned in this pursuit, is that once a hospital says, well, this is too difficult, we can't devote any more resources to pursuing these people, let's just sell this debt to somebody else, and then they can do whatever they want with it. And they try to make a profit on buying debt low Mm -hmm. and making the payments from the people who are legally obligated to pay those debts a little bit easier than the hospitals would, but inflate the price again for them. So it's a profit-making enterprise. Now, if a church did this and bought the debt at low prices and knew what these agencies were actually paying for the debt, they could reasonably go to them and say, look, we know you got to turn a profit, but we also know that you paid three cents on the dollar for this debt. Mm -hmm. So what's it going to be? And they actually negotiated with moral authority at mm-hmm. that point to say, is it reasonable for you as a collection agency to be making 1,000, 2,000, 5,000% on your investment? Or can we be more reasonable about this? In fact, we're going to take care of a large number of these at one time. So let's come to a figure. And on behalf of them as a group, they said, we can push for this and we can make a reasonable offer. And those credit companies thought, this is a boon. I mean, for them, they don't have to put a lot of effort into it. They don't have to spend time and effort, money to investigate and pursue people and be ugly. They can get their investment back handily and be heroes along with the people that are taking up this responsibility on behalf of those who are in debt. Mm -hmm. This is the way the church is supposed to function, friends. Mm -hmm. You know, for hundreds and hundreds of years, if there was a debt that brought a family low, it was the congregations that stepped in around them. It was a family business issue. You took care of your family, and then the church family took care of the family of their communities. Mm -hmm. That was the ethic since the time of Jesus. Well, people don't often take care of some of these things like we think they should or do, and so we got to pay attention to it again, like they did way back when. And this system is really, really working. Yeah, yeah. I think, too, another aspect of that is in the culture that we live in, sadly, we expect people to uh, bootstrap it, take care of themselves. So we don't tend to have empathy for people who've racked up a lot of debt, even if it's medical debt. In the church, where there seems to be a resentment against people making their needs known. Mm -hmm. You're right about the culture. If we come into a church with our culture intact and demand that our faith respect our culture, then we really haven't approached faith. Mm. We have approached a religion and we have forced it to conform to the ways of the world. Mm. That is scriptural right there. So if we have gone into our churches expecting it to act like we already act, then we're not going to church to let God change us. We're going to church to change everybody to our perspective, including God. Mm -hmm. we got to flip the script here again. Exactly. Now, the thing about this particular church, we're talking about one congregation did this for a number of years, and the second time around, they said, let's really go for broke here, so to speak. (laughs) And they took on the responsibility to pursue the face value of millions of dollars of debt, Mm -hmm. $3 million the second year on the books in debt that people owed. Mm -hmm. 
when they find out other companies buy that debt at pennies on the dollar, they're able to leverage that down, and then they negotiate hard on their behalf and lower it even more and make it easy for the collection companies to settle those debts and people to restart their lives, and everyone's happy at that point. Which, by the way, the debt companies themselves have the authority to forgive the debt outright if yes, they, they want do. to. Right. I mean, obviously, they want to make money, but I'm just saying they have these legal rights to collect or forgive. Right. They have that power. Yeah. Churches that are doing these programs are not in the business of doing this in order to destroy companies. They're just trying to settle the debt. Mm -hmm. And they're helping people do it with the power of their moral authority to stand the gap for them. So if you look at $3 million worth of debt, and you know that it's worth far less now to the collection companies, but they do want to make a profit and you don't want to put them out of business. You want them to be responsible and to listen to you next time you have a question. Exactly. They were able to spend a considerable amount of money, but a whole lot less than $3 million to settle these debts. The effect of their effort, of their focus, of their prayers, of their generosity is they took a $3 million yoke off the backs of the people in their community. Mm -hmm. That is a beautiful thing. And they helped over 3,000 families there you with go. this project. Which means you're looking at at least ten dollars or $100,000 per family, perhaps. Yeah, at least. This to me is like the loaves and fishes. Mm. You go in there thinking, there is no way we could address every need out there with every person. But if you found out there was a way and you started working that program based on the resources that God has given you, and God says, I can leverage this. I can make the gift or the investment you put into this blossom mm -hmm. and bless many to overflowing. I do believe that every time Jesus did a multiplication miracle, it is an object lesson in finding miracles that multiply. I think we should be paying more attention to the principle there. Now, of course, you and I have actually seen with our own eyes and been in places where God has literally miraculously multiplied things that literally were not there. Mm -hmm. And I can testify to that. Our ministry can testify to the investment that people have put into some of our projects where we ran out of what we could give away more than once. Yeah. And we kept going back to the van and finding more there. So don't tell me that God doesn't do these <laughs> literal miracles this way. Yeah. But the principle itself is a miracle if we let it come alive in our hearts saying, you know what? God's going to find a way mm -hmm. for us as a body to bless our families and our communities. Mm -hmm. So let's go find out what it is. I think even sometimes when we aren't sure if God's going to show up, maybe our faith is being stretched to the point of we just don't see how it's going to work out. That is so often the case when you are buried under this kind of debt. I remember when my dad was in the hospital going through treatments at MD Anderson. We spent a lot of time there. They were amazing people and took care of my parents and my dad. But the debt was huge even after my dad passed away. And God did miracles in that as well. My mom was stretched beyond what she thought she could even comprehend. And God intervened. I know this is not the case for every person that finds themselves in this position. We also know people who are still paying off medical debt, right. but God is providing a way to do it, a way for yeah. them to do it. If we look for God, mm. we're going to find him. And if we look for God to show up on behalf of somebody else, he is definitely going to show up in our hearts because he wants us yes. to see the situation they're in the way he does. Well, and that's the beauty of intercession for yeah. others. That's the beauty of the four men lowering their friend down before Jesus through the roof and saying, we have faith that you can take care of this, Jesus. Yeah, if you have a, a faithful prayer to pray in intercession for somebody who is hurting, mm -hmm. literally in the midst of a medical crisis or a financial crisis that comes as a result of that, 
I do think there is something that's powerful in the ear of God when we say, God, please meet the needs of this person who's suffering. Mm -hmm. And Lord, what do you want us to do? Mm -hmm. It's like those two things that are said together are the whole sandwich. Yeah. You know, we're in this for the entire meal. Yeah. We're going to be with you and figure out a way to make sure that everyone is satisfied Mm -hmm. and that every obligation is settled. It was not a clean ending to the debt situation for the family. God did show up and brought many people around your family to take care of things, but the debts were huge. And it required your family to literally sell off many, many things. And the business had to shut down Mm -hmm. in order to satisfy the debts that they could. And at the end of that, it was the generosity of strangers that surprised us. But what really shook us positively was how relationships and love over decades Mm -hmm. stepped up. After your dad had passed away, one of those, I'll just say friends, it's more like a a mentor of your family, stepped in and dressed your mother and just simply said, the rest of the debt is paid for. It's done. And I think he said something like, so we never need to speak of it again. Something like that. Yeah. And this person, by the way, was someone that watched over your parents when they were very young and mentored your dad when he came back from Korea. Mm -hmm. There's always a way that we can find hope. Mm. And God in situations in our life that seem hopeless and godless. Yeah. Personally, one of the biggest things that feels hopeless to so many people is debt. Yeah. The kind of debt that is just emptying, not mm-hmm. the kind of debt you go into because it's an investment and builds your equity, like a home loan. Like building a house. There are things about investing in yourself where you know the payoff is worthwhile and it's a debt worth taking on because you know. Now, on medical debt, the gratitude that should be there is if it works and it actually did the job and you survive, you have another day to live, you have hope for the future in your own life, and yet somehow it seemed like medical debts, even if you survive, it's like a new kind of death coming down upon you. And it's one that can be unending because the interest rates can be so high. Mm -hmm. It is a tax on your health. Yeah. I love what the pastor of this church said. Most of these families were doing well, making a go of it, providing for their families. They're doing the right things. They're raising their kids. And then something happens and they go into the hospital just for maybe a few days or just to the emergency room for something or just to the doctor even. And then boom, like you said, they're just under this weight. He said also, we can't fix the system. Hmm. Probably. It's going to take a huge change in our way of thinking about medical debt to change the system. But we can do something. Yeah. Anything that we can do is big. It doesn't matter if you give an organization like this or to a church like this that is purchasing these medical debts. Every bit given is a help. It's a big thing. Yeah, it is. Imagine that this one church, this Moravian church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, is one congregation. Mm -hmm. There are hundreds of thousands of congregations in America. If this one church would take on a retail value of $3 million in debt and maybe spent $300,000 or maybe even $30,000 to address it. $15,000. Okay. That's a big spread in the retail <laughs> yes. value, right? Yes. Things are marked down considerably. Okay, $15,000 applied and leveraged to do a miracle that's $3 million worth right there mm-hmm. and have restored the credit and the good faith of the families involved And given them literally a financial future, Mm -hmm. they no longer have this foreclosure thing hanging over them on medical debts. Imagine if every church in America stepped up in a similar fashion. 
invested maybe ten or fifteen thousand dollars per congregation across this great land of ours. Mm-hmm. What would happen to the national medical debt? Wow, it would be completely wiped out. It might be. I haven't run the numbers tight to see exactly what the threshold is, but it does seem to me that if it became part of our ethic as a church Mm. to take on these challenges that seem huge when you first look at them and then realize, wait a minute, God's got a way through this and savvy, wise people can find a way to manipulate in a positive way these circumstances for the benefit of the people and to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. Would that not be one of the greatest testimonies that your community would ever see? Here's a great thing that this church is doing. They've done this for a few years in a row. What they've decided to do is to continue doing this mm, every year. Awesome. They're going to focus on a different county mm. in North Carolina every year. I don't know how many counties there are in North Carolina, but in a few years, they're going to be covering a majority of the state of North Carolina to eradicate medical debt awesome. in that state. And I think this is a beautiful thing. This is what the church, this is what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. Yeah. When you say that the church is supposed to look like this, there is an implied expectation that it can look like this and that it should and that it's possible mm-hmm. to pursue this mm-hmm. and actually see success of this. So... To turn the page like we always do on this program, let's focus on some scriptures here. And we found out there's a gazillion of them in here, many of them in the Old Testament. They talk about this very principle, not just debt in general and the rules for debt, but how to address the things that seem impossible. And how do you hit the reset button in a way that actually benefits the entire society, not just the person who's suffering that moment. You've restored the person to a place of positive input to the community. You have invested in your own community by investing in the people who live in it. Yeah, absolutely. So what's a key scripture you've came up with? In Leviticus 25, the whole chapter talks about the year of Jubilee mm-hmm. or the time of Jubilee. We've heard that concept bandied about for years and right. years. Right. So basically what they're saying in this Jubilee time, every seven years... You should let the land rest Mm. that you farm, but also that debts should be forgiven. Even indentured servants Mm -hmm. should be released back to their families. This is a thousands of year old concept, you know, that God came up with. It's a managed capitalism. It's how to take the capital, the wealth you have and invest it well so that it produces for you and also does not trap people unreasonably and forever, or doesn't burden the land with having to keep producing and running out of its own minerals and water. Mm -hmm. There's literally something about letting things rest so they can produce more That is a principle in gardening as much as it is about macroeconomics. That if we find a way to be responsible in the time that we have, knowing that we're going to release these debts or wrap them up in such a way that they don't become a burden that lasts forever, these seven-year cycles had to do with consumer debts or things that had to do with the operations of your business or personal loans. And at the end of four of those cycles, you have a grand jubilee, an entire year devoted to celebrating the progress that your generation has made and the things that God has provided for you, and literally setting aside 365 days to praise him. Mm. I mean, that that was a marvelous invention. It also means that if you're going to spend an entire year off, your entire country is going to take a pause between cycles of economic growth and production. You've got to plan well. Absolutely. So if you know that on year seven, personal debts are going to be forgiven, you're not going to be designing a system that entraps people. You're going to find a way to make sure that the cycles are managed and that people can actually do it in such a way that people are not left hanging with an empty bag. You're going to find a way to manage the cycles and have a rhythm. 
Now, the same thing's true at the end of 49 years. An entire nation then says, okay, this is how we're going to relax and rest and then move on. I don't know how it could be literally incorporated into our current economic system, but there is a principle, I think, if the churches like this one, this Moravian church in North Carolina, can say, we're going to travel around our own state and find counties one at a time and give them a year of jubilee. Mm -hmm. And they put that principle into practice and create a ritual of this. It's part of our mission. Then they change their world. Yeah. They weren't waiting for the government to come up with a law. They weren't waiting for people to be wealthy. They weren't waiting for anything. They were waiting on the Lord and asking him what to do next. Yeah. Yeah. I love that they had a big celebration along with this at this church. And they literally burned <laughs> yeah. the paperwork yeah. for these debts. It's like we hear about burning mortgages. We don't right. do it literally anymore, but that is a big deal. When the piece of paper that signifies the debt, the literal legal document that beholds you to some obligation yeah. is no longer valid because it's been satisfied, why would you save that document that testifies against you? Right. <laughs> Burn it. Exactly. Yeah. This one lady said, you know, I only owed about a little over $3,000, but mm. it might as well have been $3 million. Right. We look at that and say, oh, $3,000. Maybe some of us feel this way. That's not a lot of money. But for some people, that is a lot of money. That's hard to come up with when you have other things. You know, we have children to feed and rent to pay or cars to buy gas for. All the things that have to happen in our daily life. And you don't have the margin even to make small payments or anything like that on yeah. these debts. So this church has done a huge thing. It's a miracle. It's a liberation. For so many people. And you found a verse that I really, really loved. And why don't you go ahead and read that verse for us in Romans? Well, by the time that Jesus is walking the earth, and by the time that Paul is doing his preaching, the country of Israel is now part of an empire. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the Levitical laws were about an independent nation, a nomadic group that actually occupied land that weren't beholden to anybody else but God. So their cycles could be all their own rules. Jesus is living in a world like we are now. Yeah. There are states, there are supranational organizations and taxing authorities and armies that are supported that didn't exist way back when the Bible was first written. So they address the situation they're in. They're not trying to say, roll it back, back to the day of Leviticus. But where we find ourselves now, how does it become real now? Paul says to all these Roman citizens, pay your debts as they come due. Do the best you can. However, one debt you can never finish paying off, nor should you, is the debt of love that you owe each other. Mm. The one who loves another person has fulfilled Moses' teachings. All of them. You fulfill the law. So in this day and age, if you address debt, literally address debt, then you free yourself up to the only debt you should never finish repaying, which is to love each other. Mm. And you can imagine how all these people at the Moravian Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, have addressed their debts and paid them off. I can't imagine a family that experienced that graciousness, that generosity, that would turn around on those givers and say, I resent you. Mm. It's not possible. Yeah. The gratitude would be genuine. It would be real. And it would be transformational. So where do we want to place ourselves as a believing body? Do we want to set ourselves up as 
cultural warriors against the culture and show ourselves to be hateful of certain things or against certain policies or certain lifestyles or whatever else and stand against all the time? Or like this church, could we start with standing for those who need us, who need the Lord? Mm -hmm. Would that not transform our priorities as a body? We are using the resources of a God that we love and serve, and it's transforming lives. Mm -hmm. I think if we focused on that first, the rest of the stuff is going to fall into proper priority. I really do believe this. Pay attention to these things the way God does. Mm. In other words, put the first things first. The rest will take care of themselves because God will take care of us. The government's there for a reason, but don't pay off the debt of gratitude. Always love each other and never get tired of that kind of debt. Mm -hmm. I think the principle is crystal clear. You could be in a communist country. You could be in a fully capitalist country. You could be in a feudalistic society and live by this principle. Mm -hmm. I love the informal motto of the Moravian Church, Mm -hmm. and that's in essentials, unity, Mm -hmm. in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, things, love. Yeah, or charity. And that's what we have for you today on Compassion Radio's 360. I hope that this principle comes alive for you. In the podcast page of this program, you'll see links to the articles that inspired the discussion you're hearing today. But there's also links in there about programs you might consider investigating yourself. Maybe your church might like to pick up this torch and say, we can light the way to where we are. Mm-hmm. We would love to see that. If you do something like this or you convince your church to get involved, we'd love to know about it too. Thanks again for joining us today on Compassion Radio 360. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or give online at CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.